turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And on today's program, a couple of very special guests joining us from Westgate Church. Campus is located, of course, in San Jose. We'll get you all the details about that momentarily. Meanwhile, it's a delight to have join us on the program today, the lead pastor of Westgate, Jay Kim, along with executive pastor Andy Gridley. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. I was struck taking a look at your website in terms of some of the core values that represent the life and ministry of Westgate, um, that some of those top values include valuing Jesus over everything, valuing integrity over image management. And the one that really caught my attention was valuing for over against. Isn't it ironic these days that oftentimes I I think if you engage in conversation with a non-believer and ask them, perhaps they've never had any affiliation with a church in their entire life, and you just ask them, well, you know, what do Christians believe in from your understanding? I suspect that we would wind up with a laundry list of all the things that we are against and very little articulation as to the things that we are actually for. How problematic, and let me start with Pastor Kim, how problematic is that in terms of the way the world views the church and most importantly, our ability or inability to impact it for the sake of the kingdom? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Yeah, I guess I'll respond by going back in our history a little bit. Uh, My predecessor, who's still on our staff, his name's Steve Clifford. He was the lead pastor of Westgate for 20 years, 20 really fruitful, amazing years. Um, Very early in his tenure, he and the elders asked a question, you know, if our church burned down tomorrow, would any of our neighbors, our literal physical neighbors, would any of them care And they realized the answer to that question very quickly became, no, I don't think anyone would really care because our church at the time, at least sort of based on their um, assessment of things, wasn't really, you know, for anything in our city. It was it was a gathering of, you know, Christians on a Sunday for a couple of hours. And so because of that, Steve and and the elders and the leadership team at the time um, got really intentional about trying to express love to our neighbors, the neighbors in our city and our county and our literal physical neighbors, you know, in our neighborhoods and, and places of work and school and all of that. And it's not that we do it perfectly. It's not that we do it even well all the time, but it, it certainly is a, is a value for us. Um, and we, we want our city to know, uh, you know, whether they're Christian or not, those who are even those who are far from God, we want them to know that um, we are for them because God is for them. And we want to embody the way of Jesus, which for us, really simply put, is the way of love, you know, love toward God, love toward one another as brothers and sisters and love toward our neighbors. So um, I, I think, you know, it's not to say we've 
you know, figured it out. We certainly haven't, and we've learned quite a bit from lots of other amazing churches in the area, as well as sort of all over the But I think if more and more, you know, communities of faith, um, churches can embody that, you know, communicating to whatever sort of um, city or town or neighborhood they're in, that they are for the city, for the town, for the neighborhood, because Jesus is for them, uh, then I think, you know, there are really bright days ahead for the church. And, you know, I think, uh, Pastor Andy, that really encapsulates the very core message of the gospel. I mean, if we can't come to the conclusion that God is for us, given all that he has done on our behalf way before we even recognize it, certainly as somebody coming to the cross, that that inkling of recognition of the incredible sacrifice that God made to send his only begotten son on our behalf. Talk about the ultimate sacrifice. If that isn't indicative of the notion that God is really for us, and maybe that's the core message that that a lost and dying world around us today really needs to hear, that, that God God is not some big monster up in the sky, you know, with a club ready to hit you. Now, that isn't to suggest that grace is cheap. And and quite frankly, I'm of the viewpoint that if we don't understand God's judgment and God's righteousness, that it waters down the gospel of no effect. So one end balances the other. But that notion of people being able to hear a message of hope that God is so for you, he sacrificed his only son because he wants relationship with you. Yeah, really well said. Yeah, and I would say, first and foremost, I need that message. I need that hope. Uh, you know, coming out of the season we've all been in, uh, with, you know, COVID and just lockdown and just so much uncertainty in our world, to have this clarion message of hope that is not just a platitude, but as you said, was demonstrated by Jesus himself. That's everything. Uh, I have the privilege of leading our our staff team and recently inspired by a national day of prayer we had a a time of prayer as a staff one of the things that struck me as we were praying for our city uh, as jay said you know our our, that god would increase our love for um those who call our area home um is that when jesus looked out uh at, at this massive crowd it says he has compassion and it actually said that um he saw that that the harvest was plentiful. And I just think so many times as we're talking about being four, I think it starts with having eyes that can see um, like Jesus, that actually even in the darkness, even in adversity, even in the very different viewpoints, etc., Jesus looked and he saw opportunity. He saw an opportunity for the kingdom to come in people's lives individually and collectively and so my heart our heart as a staff we were just praying like god give us your eyes to see um not just what we're against but but your kingdom on the move and how we can join you in that here in our city and it strikes me that that plentiful harvest that you articulate and certainly scripture talks about suggests that contrary to what seems to be ever increasing common acceptance that well there's not a real spiritual hunger out there people are finding means of getting satisfaction spiritually so through so many other methods i I wonder if it's really not so much that as it is that there is a genuine hunger out there the problem is that people are looking for genuine or maybe better put authentic answers and on an increasing basis when they turn to the 
the church, and I speak of it as, as, a, as an organization and less about the actual body of Christ, that oftentimes they find, what's the old adage, where our, 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 our faith, our theology is a mile wide and only an inch deep? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I, I think maybe one of the points you're making is is that, you know, I don't want to get too granular here, but uh, our, our church, at least for our city, is a, is a somewhat sizable church. You know, we have multiple congregations in two different locations. And I think the assumption has been that if you want to get, you know, big, um, not that that's the goal, but if you want to get big, you got to... Uh, you know, be very broad, broad reaching. So sometimes that gets translated into, well, don't get too deep, you know, don't get into the weeds of theology and what the Bible says about X, Y, and Z. Don't be too confrontational. You know, um, I don't think the attractional model is necessarily a bad thing, but sometimes it gets sort of typecast as, you know, just preach the fluffy stuff. And at least in our small corner of the world, what we have discovered is that an unbelieving world, what they're not interested in, what they're not captivated or captured by is um, the fluffy stuff, you know, the feel good stuff. And I think it's because there is a deep intrinsic hunger in human beings, Christian or not, in human beings to find like actual genuine meaning and purpose and joy. And even in a post-truth world, I think there is a desire, especially today where everything seems so in flux. Um, I think that there is a desire for uh, truth, you know, something that's anchored in a sort of timelessness, um, something that's transcendent. And uh, we're, we're seeing that, at least in our context. So uh, I think that it is possible, you know, to um, be very wide, but also be very deep or at least pursue depth faithfully. Um, and it's not just us. I, I'm, I'm, you know, and Andy and I and our conversations with other church leaders in town and across the country, it seems like there is a move in that direction that one of the most missional evangelistic things you can do is actually teach the Bible and, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of um, put on full display the richness and beauty and depth of the gospel. So that makes me really hopeful about the future, uh, not just of our church, but the church uh, at large. And it fascinates me because in a day and age when there's a lot of talk now about the impact of things like AI, for example, and the growing incapacity for people perhaps to recognize the difference between the real and the fake, that I think that sense of authenticity and the priority that people place on achieving it, on finding it, is going to be important. And, and especially so, you're, you're laboring in Silicon Valley. And, you know, I'm sure you've both heard the, the, the phrase, it's talking about a lot in the business world, fake it until you make it. And yet I don't think that's at all applicable to the church and what we do. With us today on the program is Pastor Andy Gridley, executive pastor and lead pastor Jay Kim from Westgate Church of San Jose. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Jay Kim, lead pastor, and Pastor Andy Gridley, executive pastor of Westgate Church in San Jose. Gentlemen, let's pick up the conversation where we left off a moment ago. In fact, I would wonder, and this is a question for, for, for either or both of you, laboring in the Silicon Valley, where people are pretty well educated, I think oftentimes their ability to kind of sniff out the phony, so to speak, is is, is heightened, which means I think that notion of, of, of being genuine and straightforward and honest, even in the midst of our own human frailty and failures, is, is really important if, if people are going to find who we are, and most importantly, who we represent, both authentic and attractive. I was actually thinking of a... This is a bit of a jump, but it's a compliment to what you're sharing. Um, in Acts 20, there's this really pop, famous story of the Apostle Paul, and he's preaching. He's, he's doing exactly what we were just talking about. He's preaching the Word of God. He's preaching the gospel late into the night. You guys might be uh, familiar remember that story where he preaches so long and so thoroughly that a, a young guy actually falls asleep. And some translations say he like gives away to his fatigue or his tiredness, and he falls out the window. Like, talk about the worst preaching experience ever <laughs> as a preacher. Jay's an incredibly gifted communicator and preacher. I'm it's an area I aspire to, but I just think, man, okay, I've, at least I've never done that. Someone's not falling out the window and that. <laughs> but what's interesting to me about it, uh, and this is more metaphor. I don't think this is the main point of the passage, but for the point of what we're speaking to. Paul does the great job of obviously handling God's word and being very thorough in it. And we talk about somebody who can handle God's word. Paul absolutely can. And and that's a gift to everybody who's listening, including this kid. But what I what he couples it with, it's, it really is striking to me, is he goes down and he he literally removes the distance between him and this 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 young guy, and he lays over him, and he's incarnational. He's He's skin on skin, and and in that moment, the guy comes back to life, and there's healing there. And I think the moment we're in is a very interesting moment that you just spoke to. It's it's scripture, it's truth, and it's presence. It's it's relationship. It's being committed to doing life with other folks. Um, it's as you mentioned in this area, so many people are so highly educated and so busy. It's it's the sacrifice of letting your calendar be interrupted so that you can experience that truth in the context of relationship and community. And I see that happening in, in uh, this time and place as well. I think people are reprioritizing and reorient, reorienting themselves. And, and I think when we have both of those things um, I, I think we're going to see the kingdom come in some fresh ways that will be really exciting. I love the word you use, incarnational. And I think that also fits hand in glove with the sense of being present. You know, oftentimes I think, and, and again, this is not meant to be a blanket accusation, but a lot of folks that have been in the church for years, it is more reflective of what we do, perhaps on a Sunday or a Wednesday night, than who we are. And, you, you know, you think about, 
particularly the mission field in which you both labor, we all labor here in the San Francisco Bay Area. My goodness, we have people that represent literally every nation, every tribe, every tongue. A missionary no longer needs to study a foreign language and get a passport. Open your front door. There's the mission field as we refer to the greater San Francisco Bay Area. And when we couple that with the experience that we've just been through, and and Pastor Andy, you referred to this a moment ago, COVID, I think, certainly in my own lifetime, perhaps other than 9-11, was a time when more people talked about risk of life and our own frailty and mortality. And when we're hearing stories, particularly at the height of COVID, of tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands, ultimately over a million Americans succumbing to this. I mean, when did we ever remember a time when there were so many people pondering about mortality and is this it? And if I die tomorrow, if COVID takes me tomorrow, then what? What what a unique opportunity for the church to be incarnate to 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 be to be present and be ready to give that answer for the hope that lies within yeah i mean i I think even beyond just the question of mortality and immortality which i totally agree you know when we were faced even just you know even if you didn't know someone who lost their life and i know many of us did um even if you didn't just your news feed was chock full of death for several years. And whatever you believe or don't believe about COVID, the reality is the noise all around us was was death. It was life and death. And certainly that, that was a part of it. I think, you know, we've seen it in our context, people asking the big questions of life because of the season that we've just come out of and experienced together. But, you know, getting back to your point about incarnation, even on a on a more sort of on the ground, more universal level, I think one of the things that COVID did was it it forced all of us to assess and reassess the importance or lack thereof, depending on who you are and how you view things, of um, embodied presence with one another. You know, so wherever you were in the San Francisco Bay Area. If you, if you're a Christian or if you're a churchgoer, you and your church experience the tension of we can't really show up together anymore. So Andy and I remember at our church, you know, we, we abided, we, we chose, our church chose to abide by county guidelines, um, primarily to uphold and protect the longstanding relationship that we have with our county and our city um, and the partnership we have so that we can, you know, best serve our city and our county. Uh, so we adhered to the guidelines, but every concession they gave us, we took advantage of. So I still distinctly remember the week that they said, okay, you can gather outside I remember our team scrambling to order these tents, you know, so we can gather under these big giant tents. And I remember the very first Sunday in-person gathering we had outside in our back parking lot under this giant tent. And I just remember when we were singing together after having been on on a computer screen for months and months, I I remember how many tears were under that tent, how powerful it was to be physically together together. You know, and, you know, the sound system wasn't great. It wasn't like the standard sort of our worship center, all of that. We we were we didn't have any of that. All we had were just these two speakers and a small band and a small little stage under this tent. 
And really what we had were the, the collective voice of people, you know, who were uh, able to gather um, after many months apart. And it was it was profound. It was really beautiful. And it was incarnational, to your point. And um, I think that's that was one of the great lessons I learned on a personal level. I, I'm generally, I, I mean, I'm an introvert. I would be categorized as a social introvert. I enjoy being with people, um, but recharge being alone. But even as an introvert for, for myself, I... Just that much isolation um, and physical separation from my community had a, an incredibly detrimental effect on me spiritually, mentally, emotionally, um, even physically in some ways. So, you know, I, I'm really hopeful that 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 lesson learned during COVID, that we really need each other, that we actually need each other. And that church is certainly, you know, if you've got good, valid reasons for staying online, fair enough. You know, some people have health reasons and all otherwise, and, and that's great. But, um, you know, for those of us who are online because it's just convenient or something, I just, uh, my hope is that uh, the season that's been reminds us, man, there is nothing like being incarnational in the flesh embodied with uh, your body of believers in your local church. So whatever that local church may be for whoever's listening, you know, that's my hope and prayers that people begin showing up again and experiencing the fullness of life in Jesus that comes when you are living and experiencing that life with uh, other people. With us today on the program is Pastor Andy Gridley, Executive Pastor and Lead Pastor Jay Kim from Westgate Church of San Jose. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Jay Kim, Lead Pastor, and Pastor Andy Gridley, Executive Pastor of Westgate Church in San Jose. Now, Pastor Andy, let me ask you this. Does it also speak to the notion of engagement? I, I think, you know, using the illustration that Pastor Jay just shared, that notion that we were so used to being gathered together, suddenly we were forced into isolation. And for most people, the big priority for all of us was, when can I get out? When can I get out? When can I get out? And I find it interesting that the scripture talks about going out into the highways and byways and compelling them to come in, which is juxtaposed against the notion that, you know, we put up a building and we hope that everybody's going to show up and we will send out some postcards and invite people to our debut Sunday morning worship service. But and yet at the end, we really discovered, I think, through COVID, a, a, a important reminder of engagement and that it requires us for the, the ability for the church to be the church, to be out, to be engaged, to be in the highways and byways and compelling people to come in, which is very different from the way, sadly, I think the church in the West has been operating for perhaps far too long. Yeah. One of the things I love about Westgate, um, uh, I've inherited as well, just some really great leaders who did their best to follow Jesus. And, and they modeled what your your ideal that you're sharing here. They modeled that really well. Like, let's not just be a holy huddle. Let's engage. Let's reach out. Let's really work hard to love our neighbors the way Jesus did. Let's not wait for them to come to us kind of stuff. And, um, you know, my journey, I started as a campus pastor here helped launch our first campus. And we learned very quickly, you know, if you just put on great worship and 
uh, great teaching and had great kids program. Those all matter. Those are very, very important. But if you didn't also ask the Holy Spirit to help you imagine where you could join him at where he's already at work in the city and join him there, that you were you were missing a vital piece of what it means to be a part of the kingdom and part of uh, his church. And one of my most fun stories coming out of COVID that gives me a lot of hope um, is uh, when we we're able to, we were able to throw a block party for our neighborhood, which is, um, as you said, many, many different cultures, most who are not Christian. And of, uh, of this block party, a, a family came of a Hindu background, first generation, doesn't know anything about the church, and a, a husband and wife and their little daughter, and they had such a great experience they came the next day, which happened to be Sunday, and they just assumed it was another block party. They didn't know that it was a worship service. So they just showed up, and they're like, what the heck is this? This is different than yesterday's block party. And somebody, you know, using kind of churchy words because they didn't know, they just said, oh, this is a worship service. And the person says, well, what's a worship service? And uh, are we invited? And I just think that um, the more we can stay open again to God, give us eyes like you have to see that really you're at work and the harvest really is plentiful and give us give us a heart that says yes when it's time to go out and also a, a heart that says yes when we need to host well the folks that you brought to us. I think it's that both and um, my joy is that this family's still with us and they're they're they need both that 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 wonderful orthodox teaching that deep rich teaching that we talked about and in their particular story they need that incarnational presence and i think as both are offered some beautiful fruits coming and that goes so much to the heart of the impact of the gospel i mean let's turn back the clock and think about the fact that for generations certainly our parents generation our grandparents generation they were raised largely with at least a fundamental familiarity that yes god existed Maybe you went to church on Sunday, maybe you didn't, but there was a, a very significant portion of Americans during that period of time that had a fundamental acceptance in the belief of God. Now we fast forward to where we are today, where the category of nuns, meaning they've never had any religious experience at all, is on an ever-increasing basis uh, gaining in momentum, uh, much to certainly the, the, the chagrin of the organized church. And so the likelihood of meeting someone who has no baseline concerning God whatsoever. I mean, it used to be, you know that God exists. Let me tell you about Jesus. Sin, salvation, sanctification, lead you to the cross, you accept Jesus, and, and on we go. Now we have to begin with the demonstration that God even exists and, and what that looks like and who he is. And so, back to your point earlier, Pastor Andy, being the incarnation, people are not going to see God with their eyes as a heavenly being, though we all know he exists, but they can see God through us. And if we are willing to be those feet of Jesus, those hands of Jesus, if people can see God and say, what's different about you? You're not like everybody else. But, of course, that goes back to the core thing that we've been kind of discussing here today, and that is the notion that engagement becomes so critically important because for so many of our neighbors and our co-workers, we may be the only Jesus, the only version of God, so to speak. I want to choose my words wisely here. The, the, the only representative that many of these people will ever see. The question is... 
when they walk away from their experience with us, will they go, wow, that was really something special? Or will they be offended and walk away? You know, the scripture tells us that that the, the scripture, the Bible is an offense to those that are perishing. I think sometimes, though, Christians get that passage mixed up and they think we ought to be offensive. Yeah, you, when you look at Jesus, I, I mean, one of the things he's criticized so much in his earthly ministry is he just really enjoyed people and people who were of very different values. I mean, and you have to start asking yourself, did he hang out with people despite the mission? Did he enjoy people and prioritize people and allow people to interrupt his schedule despite his mission? Or was that a, a crucial part of his mission? Mm-hmm. And I'll be really honest. I, I, I am a Bay Area native. I'm like fifth generation I'm all about my own calendar, my own priorities. I don't like my stuff getting jacked or interrupted. So I'm not very good at what we're talking about, but I I am asking the Holy Spirit to soften my heart and help me continue to get better at prioritizing um, the people the way Jesus does, uh, to engage them the way that Jesus models and calls each of us. And at the end of the day, and, and perhaps, um, uh, Pastor Jay, you can speak to this. At the end of the day, and you, you kind of began the dialogue uh, here earlier w- with this notion, that it really is not about places and programs. It's about people. If we allow the places and programs to to sort of take a higher priority, then I think it's valid to ask the question, what are we doing? And are we genuinely trying to model Jesus? Are we genuinely being true disciples? Or are we just kind of making this up as we go along? Yeah. I mean, you know, Jesus's final words after his resurrection, right before his ascension to his disciples. And this is key for us at our church. And I'm certain it's key for for many churches, hopefully most churches. But go and make disciples, you know, go to every nation all over the world and make disciples. That's the key, right? Not make, you know, beautiful kids or student programs, although those really matter, not have wonderful music or dynamic preaching and teaching or great, you know, midweek programs or events or camps or conferences or anything like that. The, the, the admonition and the invitation and the mission is to make disciples, to be disciples and that, that make disciples. And so that's not to say the programs don't matter. It's simply to say the programs are the means and means can and, and often should change and adjust as you go because the means are simply the means to the ultimate end or the goal or the mission. And the mission is people, but not just people, not just to reach people and inspire and motivate people, but to um, to invite people to the lifelong journey of being formed into uh, Christ likeness, you know, which is the life of discipleship to learn and live the way of Jesus in all of life, not just for 75 minutes on a Sunday as you sing a few songs and listen to a a sermon, you know, but to in all of life be formed into the sort of person God always intended for us to be. And uh, I think the church plays a critical part in that journey 
And one of the ways we play that part is to make certain every step of the way that all of our programs, all of the songs, all of the preaching, um, everything we do is is intended to um, help people on their journey of discipleship, of being formed into Christ likeness. So. I'm really encouraged because as I talk to church leaders again in our city and around the country, it seems like uh, there is there is a very healthy, mature awareness and wherewithal that um, programs matter. Uh, all of the, the quality and the excellence we pursue, it really matters, but it matters not because we're trying to put on a show, but because we are trying to inspire and equip and motivate and in some cases provoke and confront people where they are in life so that they, they might take steps, you know, one or two steps every single day, um, toward further development into Christ likeness and that the church can come alongside them, uh, as a, as a sort of support system and mechanism, but also really as family, you know, to not have to do it alone. And that's where, you know, going back to uh, something we were talking about earlier about authenticity, that's where authenticity, I think, really matters. I think that particularly in the cultural moment that we are in, um, people, uh, you know, I think people are repelled by the sense of showmanship and, you know, here are the Christian professionals on the bright, bright stage with the bright lights telling you how to do it. And I think the most, um, not just attractive, but the most, uh, effective way to reach people, um, is to create circles, you know, um, not rows, but circles where we sit together with Christ at the center and admit to one another, hey, we are all trying our best to move together in one direction. You know, in the words of Eugene Peterson, right? A long obedience that'll take an entire lifetime in the same direction, all of us together toward Christ. Um, so for, for us, yeah, we, we, you know, we emphasize our programs and we try to do a good job with them while at the same time acknowledging the program is not the end. Excellence is not the goal. The goal is discipleship. And we're going to try to be as good as we can possibly be because we want to remove barriers. We want to inspire and equip and provoke and confront and do all of those things so that um, God, by his spirit, might form us every single day, uh, individually and collectively as a church family, uh, into the image of of the risen Christ. With us today on the program is Pastor Andy Gridley, executive pastor and lead pastor Jay Kim from Westgate Church of San Jose. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Jay Kim, lead pastor, and Pastor Andy Gridley, executive pastor of Westgate Church in San Jose. Gentlemen, let's pick up the conversation where we left off a moment ago. If you ask the, the average Bible scholar out there about um, Jesus and, and what ultimately during his um, life ministry on earth 
uh, brought so many people in. Uh, Jesus was attractive because Jesus was engaging. I mean, look at the way he engaged, whether it be feeding the 5,000. I think he certainly caught some attention there to even the tender moments with the woman at the well or Mary Magdalene. And, and, and all throughout his ministry, that sense of attractiveness of Jesus is his engagement and caring. And I think that really at the core, uh, that engagement, whether it's going out and doing, you know, soup kitchens and feeding uh, hungry people on the street or providing programs to uh, people that are new immigrants to the country and are looking for a, a Sunday morning worship service in their native language, whatever it might be, providing all of that that can allow people to get engaged with Jesus. And as he engages us, certainly he changes us. Toward that end, let's spend a couple of minutes as our time begins to wind down talking about what folks will find as they come to Westgate Church. So somebody's new to the San Francisco Bay Area looking for a new church home, um, kind of give me that 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 thumbnail sketch, that that 30,000 foot high view, so to speak, of the life and ministry of Westgate Church. Man, I love this church. I, there's many great churches around, and I have what I appreciate about Westgate Church is one of the the healthiest leadership cultures I've been a part of as far as the staff team, but also the the pe- the the lay leaders who call this place home. It's just a really beautiful space where the, there's a sense that um, not perfect, nobody's perfect, but there's a sense that we are really taking seriously this this call to to become more like Jesus and those three loves, loving God, loving one another uh, in, within the church family, and then loving our global and local neighbors. And uh, it's an exciting place to be. I think there are great programs, but I think my prayer often is that as folks uh, come to Westgate maybe for the first time, that they, they really would feel like this is a, a place that they can call home and, and a group of people they can eventually call a family uh, as they learn and live the way of Jesus. That's how I would refer to it. And and how would you critique the Sunday morning preaching? <laughs> Careful now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's actually interesting. Our predecessor, um, Steve Clifford, our previous lead pastor, very gifted communicator, but he was um, very thoughtful about how, uh, empowering several people on staff uh, to communicate regularly. So there's kind of a, a, a team of, of speakers. So Jay's incredibly gifted and... Um, you know, if Jay's traveling or something like that, there's just a sense of we're in this together as a team and it's not so personality driven. I, I actually really appreciate that as well. That looks a lot like the uh, the first century church, doesn't it? It looks like a lot like the church in the book of Acts. Uh, Pastor Kim, as our own time winds down together, uh, for folks eavesdropping on our conversation today, maybe a word of, of personal invitation to them. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having us on, um, honored. And uh, we just want everyone listening, maybe church leaders are listening. Um, I, I hope that churches in town who know us would, would agree with this statement. But again, we don't do it perfectly, but Westgate is a church that is at least pursuing um trying to be the sort of church that is about Jesus and about the kingdom of God here in the Silicon Valley over and above just our 
church. You know, we uh, one of our values is that we value kingdom over brand. So we're not trying to promote or fly high the banner of Westgate Church. We are trying to promote and um, fly high the banner of Jesus and all churches uh, in town that are that are doing the same. Man, we're we're with you and we're for you. So whatever we can do to come alongside you, we're we're here. Um, but yeah, for folks who might be looking for a church, yeah, I agree with everything Andy just said. Um, we, uh, we're just ordinary people. We're just like normal, ordinary people navigating the complexities of life, trying our best every single day. Uh, like Andy said, to learn the way of Jesus and not just learn it and know it, but to really live the way of Jesus in all of our lives and to do it together. Uh, we, we don't think that it's possible really to do it alone, which is why one of the reasons why the local church matters so much. So, uh, we have really tried to emphasize, um, uh, uh, what we call the pathway to belonging. So, um, yeah, whoever's listening, if, if you're sort of living in isolation or feeling lonely or doing life alone and you're looking to belong and you're ever in the San Jose area and you're looking for a church, um, we'd love to have you and uh, let us know you're new. We've got like little welcome table at all of our uh, congregations and uh, and yeah, we we try our best to be really intentional about coming alongside folks um, as they find their way into belonging. We know that it takes time, but um, yeah, we're, we're sort of a big church, but we try to be as intimate uh, and as as you were saying, sort of like you know personal and one on one as possible as people try to seek out belonging. So uh, yeah, if, if that's you, we we'd love to meet you. I would love to meet you. Um, feel free to swing by any time you're always welcome two campus locations one located at 1735 saratoga avenue in san jose the other at 6601 camden avenue in san jose service times 9 a.m 10 45 a.m and the saratoga avenue campus also has a sunday afternoon service at 4 p.m service is also available on camden avenue in spanish details available on the web go to westgatechurch.org that's westgatechurch.org our thanks to pastor andy gridley executive pastor and the lead pastor pastor jay kim guys thanks so much for the time today thank you Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.